0: um so today we're going to be reading or we're going to start reading um Paul's letter to the Ephesians um so you guys could follow me there and we're going to be in the first um 14 verses of chapter one and today well I just used the title that my bible has and the title is the blessings of redemption if you guys title your studies you could title it that um so, just a quick background: This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, and um, he went there on his third missionary uh, journey. And it's found in the books, of, um, in the book of Acts, chapter nineteen. If you guys want to read um, about it, and he spent two years there sharing the gospel with the people who lived there. Um, and something that I think is important is important to keep in mind as we read the book is that. Um, that Ephesus was the epicenter at that time for um, the worship of Greek and Roman gods. Um, so that's those are the type of people that um, Paul was um, evangelizing to while he was there. Um, and it was and this letter was written years after he, um, his time there, while he was imprisoned in Rome. And you can read about that in Acts 28 if you'd like. Um, so Ephesians is going to have a different, um, a variety of topics that we're going to get to look at, but they're basically summed up in two main themes. The first one being that Christ has reconciled all creation to himself, and the second being that Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. Um, and like I said, we're going to look at the first 14 verses in chapter one today. So let's go ahead and read them. Um It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory." in him you also after listening to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation having also believed you were sealed in him with the holy spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance um with a view to the redemption of god's own possession to the praise of his glory Alrighty, so um chapter one begins with a really special like poetic style of writing to present to its readers the beauty of, um, what God has done for us in Jesus and reveals to us that through Jesus, anyone can be adopted into the family of God. In the first two sentences just include, um, the common, a common introduction that Paul included in all of his red letters, um, and like who it was that he was writing to. And verse three says, um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So what does that mean? The, the simplest way that I could think to explain that is that because in Christ, because of his work on our behalf, all of God's blessings have been made ours. The spiritual blessings that this verse speaks of, um, I'm going to assume are what can only be given and produced in us through the internal work of the dwelling, that the dwelling of God, the Holy Spirit grants us and pours out from us. So the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, as we'll see in verse 14 is a guarantee for heavenly blessings, um, which is pretty cool. So verses four and five say, just as he chose us uh, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be homely holy and blameless before him Um, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through jesus christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will so we were chosen before from before the time that the foundation of the earth existed by god the father it was um his initiating choice that was the primary factor in the redeeming of our soul from sin and death. We played absolutely no role in the deciding of God's mind, of his choosing of us. And um, there are various views regarding like election and predestination and all of that, but that's a topic for a different day. And I don't know enough about it to share. So um, the point of this section, I think, is that it's make is um, that it reveals to us that each person that has ever been and ever will be a professing genuine Christian is because they were predestined to be so, Um, resulting in being grafted into the family of God for the purpose of being holy and blameless before his presence. Um, And the cause of his electing of us is love. It was out of love that he predestined us into adoption to be his children through our mediator Jesus, according to the kind will of his intention. Um, <clears throat> and it's important to under to um, I don't want to say like highlight, I don't know if you guys highlight your Bible or not, but the per- like love was the one of like the reasons for our election. But it was for the purpose of our holiness and for the purpose of being blameless before Him for His glory. Um, and verse six and seven says, In Him we have redemption. Uh, sorry, six says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So at the end of verse five, and then continuing into the beginning of verse six, um, it tells us that God's ultimate purpose um, is not just the redemption of our soul, but the praise of his glorious name through redemption. Um, Ultimately, God is, I don't know what the right word is, but his main focus or his, like his glory is above everything else. And he and that's what he cares about the most. Um, however, that may sound to us, or how like it doesn't matter. Like his glory is ultimately what matters. And if he will get more glory out of saving us, then that's what he that's what he chose to do. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, and he is deserving of that. So regardless if we were we are obedient to the call or the the command to praise him and to worship him, regardless of our obedience to that, the heavens and all of creation are not only going to pray, praise him, but they are going to declare that he is worthy of all worship, he is worthy of all honor, and he is worthy of all reverence. Um, and all of this at the expense of the beloved being his son, um, by whose blood we have been redeemed to have the need um. To be redeemed means that there was need for us to be made free from some form of slavery that we ourselves could not obtain, um, and that enslavement being sin and death. So it was from these things that Christ has set us free and has given us eternal life, so that even death would lose its grip on us. That's why for when the Christian, well, this should be how we should react, but when we're when we're facing death. It shouldn't be grass or, like, um, or like we shouldn't be um, frozen in fear by the thought of dying. We should be, I don't want to say, like, looking forward to dying, but dying is literally the, the only thing that's going to get us to get to, like, that's going to grant us the ability to go home. At the end of the day, like, this place is not our home. Um, and I think that the more um, days that pass by on this earth, the more and more we realize that, like, this isn't it. And this isn't the best that's gonna happen. And at the end of the day, like, like everything that has to do with the life on earth is going to pass. And if our hope isn't in Christ, and if our hope isn't in um, going home to him, then death is gonna be really terrifying. But if our hope is in Christ and death is only like the stepping, the the next step or the thing, that's, um, the thing that we have to go through in order for us to just go home and not have to be here anymore. Um, and that way like and that's how death loses its grip on us. Um, this gift is of no cost to us to receive but that was of the highest cost for God who chose to make the gift of salvation freely available to us. It was the shedding of um, Jesus' innocent blood and his death, death that made this gift attainable to those that are not innocent or blameless. Um, the innocent and blameless took the place of the sinful and guilty and atonement was granted through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace." Um, God is the only one with the means to be able to afford this type of price tag. And his grace was so is so immense that he lavished it out, um, he lavished it on us without hesitation. And he was fully aware that it would be, um, what it would mean to send his only son to be a ransom for our sin. To be the lamb that would be slaughtered for us um verses 8 to 10 say which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times that is the summing of all things in christ things in heaven things in the heavens and things on the earth So he lavished his love, his love upon us, and it was done in all wisdom and insight that he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention. And there is no greater kindness in this. He made known to us what was hidden prior, which is Christ, God in the flesh. And Jesus is the culmination of literally everything in all of history. He is not only the one that, um, Unites everything together. He is the creator of all things. In the beginning, in Genesis 1-1, it says in the beginning, like Jesus was the one creating everything. Um, and he is the one that holds all things together in his hands. In the past, looked to his coming in the present and the future to come, however long this world exists for we'll look back at his work on the cross because what Jesus did on the cross on our behalf for the glory of his father to unite us back to himself is the most um, important and truly valuable event in all of history because Jesus is a summation of all things and and his is the greatest name of all names. His is going to be the glory forever and ever and ever. Verses 11 and 12 say, um, Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Um, So in Christ, just like we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, we have also obtained an inheritance that is alone made available to those who have been predestined. To be a part of God's of the family of God according to the counsel of His will, and I think that Paul is speaking of the apostles who um, were, I think, the first to place their hope in Christ in that in that um, sentence. But I could be wrong. Um, a side note that I wanted that I think is important to include while we're um, on the subject of pre election and predestination. Because God knows all things and because he is sovereign, all things that happen um, are, in a sense, inevitably going to happen according to how he's meant for them to happen regarding our life experience, whether that experience be bad or good. Um, And that does not take away the responsibility that we have regarding our life choices. The most important being choosing to follow Jesus and everything else that pertains to life. God knowing all things and ordaining all things does not mean that, um, as Christians, we have the permission to coast through life and not pursue things that are worthwhile, and most importantly, not pursue the making of disciples and sharing the um, of the good news of Jesus with others. I just thought that that was a a, a side note that needed to be included, um, just because sometimes when when this topic comes up, I've just um, Notice that, that there is a temptation to be like, well, if God already knows what's going to happen and he's already ordained for, any, for everything to happen, Like, then I don't need to worry about my choices because that's just what God wanted wanted to happen. But that's not the case. We do have responsibility um, regarding what we do with the gospel and regarding what we do with our day-to-day. Um, and verses 13 and 14 say... In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge for our of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So um, when we believed in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This can either mean that... Um, that the Holy Spirit protects and preserves us until we make it home to be with our God. Or it could also mean that the Holy Spirit is a sign that we truly belong to God and have been accepted by him as his own. And this gives us um, an assurance that we indeed are partakers of the inheritance um, that only belong to the children of God. Either one of these, I, I think are possibilities. Um, or you both could be right. I don't know. You can decide for yourself. Either way, we read it and interpret these verses. The Holy Spirit is the proof that we belong to God the Father because of Jesus' work. Um, and we have been sealed in him until the day that God calls us home. And that's a really beautiful thing. Like That is one of the best assurances that we have um, while we're here on earth, that we have been sealed, and because of that, like, there is protection and being obedient and living under the, um, the authority of the Lord, um, and we won't do that on our own, like, the only way that we'll do that is through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and that is proof that he is living within you, and that's, um, that does give assurance, so we've been made his possession, and, and, um, and to be made his is the greatest privilege that we can be given. And the most beautiful part of it is that it was him who first chose that you would be one of his, um, one of those people that he calls to himself <clears throat> and all for the purpose of uniting everything onto Christ by his glory and for his glory so that we might be reconciled to him forever. And these beautiful blessings of redemption were accomplished through the powerful sovereign work of our God. And it is in him um, who has, it is him who has enabled us to be able to recognize his wondrous work of it um, regarding our salvation and regarding our need to be saved and our need to repent and our need to, um, to believe in Jesus. Um, it's him who's enabled us to do so. And it's him who's enabled us to recognize our need to repent. Um, and it's through faith, but it's by faith through grace alone, and that's really beautiful. And in light of these truths, our hearts and our minds should be compelled to live lives that, um, that um, as Romans 12.1 would describe or encourage us to do, is that we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual act of worship.